0: hello this is dr shiva welcome to our podcast get educated or be enslaved episode 274 air date april 25th 2018
1: and we are back for our second hour on the new open mic show on whav 97.9 fm i'm bill masick my co host is Bill Ellis, sitting at the far side now. And um, in the middle, we have our uh, our guest who has arrived in um, good timing, um, Dr. Shiva. I, I I call you Dr. Shiva because some of your stuff said Dr. V.A. Shiva.
0: Yeah, you can call me Dr. Shiva. Uh, you know, my last name is Ayadore.
1: Ayadore, okay.
0: But uh, it's Shiva. Okay. Shiva's good.
1: Great. Shiva it is. All right. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming in. I, I really appreciate the fact that uh, you're. Your campaign, I think, or somebody reached out to us here at WHAV, and we're very uh, happy to have you on the show, And because um, not only are you a, uh, an inventor, a successful businessman, among other things, uh, four uh, degrees from MIT, four for doctorate degrees, correct?
0: And, uh, I have four and degrees, and so, one one doctorate, yeah, two masters, yeah, and my bachelors. Not
1: yeah. bad. So it's no question who the smartest man in the room is tonight.
0: But uh, Well, there's a lot of <laughs> smart people in America. You don't need degrees <laughs> thank, to show yourself. Thank already. you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you
1: for saying that. Um, I uh, I really want to hear at least some about, about your email invention, because that just, I, I can't believe that I'm in the same room with the guy who invented email, and how you did it. I saw a little of it on, on your... Uh, on the information that was sent to me, but I'd like to talk about that a little bit. And then I also want to talk about your your independent campaign for US Senate here in Massachusetts. Sure. Well he
2: he he created email, he invented that. I created spam based yep. on, on his
0: invention. <laughs> That's Tell good. us about that. Fourteen years young? Y- yeah. Uh, you know, the invention of email, I you know, and to be uh, very fair, is no different than uh, many innovations that have come out in America. And the story of the invention of email, or the facts about it, I think are extremely important for everyone to understand, because what they do is they exemplify that innovation can occur anytime, place, by anybody. You don't need to be in Silicon Valley, you don't need to go to MIT. In fact, I invented email long before I went to MIT. So I think that's really the heart of it. And it brings out some very, very important political issues also. So here's a background. You know, I grew up in India. I was born in India. Um, uh, grew up in the city of Bombay, but also grew up in a small village. And you got to understand India has a caste system. And I, you'll hear me use the word system a lot. So as a kid, I was very interested in these systems. Why was there systems of oppression? When I, uh, my grandmother, by the way, was a village healer. You know, she could observe your face. She could predict what was going on in your body using uh, very interesting systems of Indian medicine. You know, what we call alternative medicine now. Right. Yoga, these kinds of things. So I was also interested in medicine. So when I came to the United States as a seven-year-old kid, I knew the enormous opportunity America had to offer. Um, so I worked really hard. But not only in, in studies, I was a good baseball player. I had a lawn mowing business. I was your all-American kid. Did you play cricket? I never played cricket. Played baseball, though. Okay. Pitched and played short. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, but it's so cricket, Cricket's pretty big in cr- India. Cricket's big in India. Yeah. It's a, a big in Australia. It's big all over England. You know, it's, it's sort of a we don't really play it here, uh, except small groups of people. But I had a, you know, I really love baseball, I love soccer. Um, But, you know, in parallel to my interest in sports and working, you know, a lot of my uh, teachers were amazing people, you know, my chemistry teachers, my high school teachers in New Jersey. You know, we came, we first settled in Patterson, which was one of the poorest towns in the United States, then to Clifton and then to Persephone and Livingston. And my parents kept moving to the higher property tax district because you didn't have school choice in those days. So you went to get better education. But by the time I was 14, I had finished up calculus, which was sort of pretty novel in those days. And my high school had no other math courses to offer me. And this is in 1978. So think about it. 1978, um, it's at a time when a computer would probably fill up 10 of these rooms. But a very, very futuristic professor at NYU, New York University, which is across the river from New Jersey, had a uh, innovative idea. He, he could see the future in the sense we were going to need um, you, know, you know, technicians, software engineers. This is a new concept, the concept of writing software programs. But he saw that 30 years out, and he decided he was going to uh, invite 40 students from high school to come to NYU, one of the premier institutions at the computer science, and he would teach them computer science. These would be the elite of the elite. In eight weeks, was a military-like training program. You would learn seven programming languages, and I was fortunate to, want to be one of those students selected. I was a freshman in high school. My dear mom would drop me off at the Newark Penn Station yeah. in, um, in Newark, and then I would take it into about an hour ride in the subway into New York. Yeah. And remember, nowadays parents are afraid to send their kids down the street. I used to take the train in and back to New York. Anyway, I finished top of the class, learned seven different languages, and uh, so here I come back to high school, and it's sort of a downer, right? It's not that much of a challenge. I still have some humanities courses to do. But I had an amazing woman uh, teacher who was an independent studies teacher. She uh, worked with the administration of the school to change the rules so I could go to Newark, New Jersey, because uh, I'd gotten a job as a software engineer as a programmer at what was then known as Rutgers Medical School. And the reason I was interested was I thought I'd have the chance to do medical research. While I was doing medical research, uh, my mentor there, Dr. Les Michelson, he said, Shiva, look, I have a big challenge for you. Uh, Many people over the age of 40 will remember many organizations had two ways of communicating. Right, one was through the phone system. Right, you'd have your phone, your landline phone, and you had this thing called the inter-office mail system. Right, right. If people remember, and it was always run by uh, every office it had a secretary who had her on her desk, physical desktop. To you, millennials, there was a physical desk, and on that desktop was a typewriter.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, there was an inbox, an yeah. outbox. Yeah. There was a, a, a trash can underneath, big metal file folders. Right, And on that typewriter, she would write a thing called a proverbial memo. And at a very particular structure, to, from, subject, Correct. and then you'd have carbon copy. Yeah. And what a carbon copy meant was literally a carbon a copy. Carbon so if I sent you a, a letter and I sent one to um, you know Bill and I wanted to CC him, I'd put carbon copy and I'd have to put two sheets of bond paper. Now, the interesting thing was if you were doing 10 carbon copies the secretary would be typing there all day. right? But this is how uh, you know offices worked. If you were gonna hire someone, you'd write a cover letter, you'd attach their resume with their little paper clip, and you'd put it in these envelopes called the inner office mail envelope, tie it up, That's right. and then you'd put it inside a pneumatic tube, yeah. and then it would get sent anyway, around. Anyway, this was a very complex system. And l- look, in, in, in those days, those computers could do simple text messages. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the entire system. I, as a 14-year-old kid, worked day and night until 2 in the morning. I was so excited because to get, be given this opportunity, and I converted that entire system into 50,000 lines of computer code capturing every feature, inbox, outbox, BCC, CC, and I called that system email, a term never used before in the English language. Why? Because the programming language and the operating system only allowed five characters. It wasn't an obvious term. On August 30th, 1982, an American kid gets uh, officially recognized as the inventor of email by being issued the first copyright. So I I called it email, have the copyright, and I wrote all the code. So yeah, so that's the story, but it took place in Newark. So you
1: actually have the copyright, so there's really no question. There's no
0: controversy about this.
1: online, there are some
0: people. Well, this is a great issue. Why is there a controversy? I wrote all the code, did the work, you know, called it email and have the copyright. You see, I never wanted to make money off of it, didn't seek fame or fortune. It was only 35 years later, after my four degrees at MIT, after starting seven companies, my dear mom was dying of a horrible disease, uh, pulmonary fibrosis, three months to live in in a suitcase. She had carefully, in a Samsonite suitcase, organized all of the materials, the computer code, the paper tapes, all the code. What language was it in? FORTRAN, which is not good for texting, okay? For text uh, processing. Anyway, she uh, 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 and the only editor, the only journalist who ever actually went through this was Doug Ameth from Time Magazine, and he wrote an article in November 2011 called The Man Who Invented Email. Uh, three months later, the Smithsonian contacted me and wanted all my materials because this was a treasure trove. Sure. Uh, it went into the Smithsonian on February 16, 2012, and that's when the proverbial S hit the fan, which I can't say here, because a Washington Post reporter wrote a great article saying, Shiva Ayyadurai honored as the inventor of email, and that's when the liberal, what's interesting, it's the liberal academics, historians, this was like a new skull was found in Africa, and they had to destroy it, because it reset the origin of where innovation came from. You see, when I was at MIT, I was on the front page of MIT for... Uh, inventing many other things, uh, for the Fulbright, for Echomail, on technology review. But when I said email was not invented at MIT, that it was invented in Newark, New Jersey, by a collaboration of a loving family, a high school teacher, uh, who supported me and a mentor? That's the triangle where email came from. It did not come from the military-industrial-academic complex. And what's fascinating to watch is the vitriol people call me all sorts of four-letter names. In fact, one one uh, blog said this Curry Indian should be beaten and hanged. Oh. And no one stood up for me for four years. I'm you being attacked. Said
2: that a peace-loving liberal? Or a <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Liberal. Exactly. And the interesting thing is, you see, um, the. I was a great uh, symbol, a dark-skinned Indian guy, front page of MIT, yeah, we're into inclusivity, diversity, but I said, whoa, 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 email was not invented at MIT, which was a narrative that they had done in those 30 years. Uh, One of the defense contractors had rewritten the narrative, Raytheon, that had come out of, look, Raytheon does other great things, but you didn't invent email. You may have done simple electronic messaging. I'm not claiming I did that, but I invented a 14-year-old American kid invented email, and it came from Newark. And the, and the heart of this goes back to a very deep issue, why, there was, why they fabricated a controversy. And the reason they fabricated is, if you, by the way, a 14-year-old boy in Franklin, Idaho invented TV. Okay, Philo Farnsworth. Everyone should look this up. You see, the, the biggest bamboozling that has taken place in American history, and Eisenhower talked about it in 1961, when he was leaving office, he said, we must, as Americans, beware of the military-industrial complex. And he was a Republican general, great respect for him. Uh, Seven years later, Senator Fulbright, a Democrat, called it the military-industrial-academic complex. So if you think about this, you have big defense contractors, big corporations, and then you have big academia. That triangle, both of these people warned, would try to subjugate the American people to try to get us involved in wars that we did not want to be involved in. But more importantly, they would tell us where innovation came from. And we can talk more about it, but this is a very important thing. Who innovates, who doesn't, where does creativity come from? And my point is it comes from everywhere, and you have a bunch of elitists who try to say it can only come from MIT and Harvard or Silicon Valley, and that is anti-American. So the invention of email is an American story, and it must be talked about, it must be defended, because it's the truth.
1: Shiva, it's a great story. We are going to take a break right now. We'll be right back. I want to hear more right here on the new open mic. On WHAV ninety-seven point nine FM. Back on the new open mic. I'm Bill Masick. Bill Ellis is here as my co-host in um, Shiva, as he says, we can call him Doctor Shiva. And
0: uh, say your last name again. It's I adore. Like I adore, I adore you.
1: I adore. Okay.
0: Some people think it's Italian. Okay. We'll
1: take it. <laughs> there
2: a song like right there?
0: My eyes. My eyes adore you. Exactly. say my eyes yeah. adore you.
1: Okay. Um, well, we took a break, but you were in just beginning to tell. Uh, some of the obstacles you've had to encounter and get over and i think that your message because you're also a, an independent candidate for the US Senate seat from Massachusetts and you've been a resident of Massachusetts for 35 years is it uh, jesus 37. 37 i came here in 1981 to, to
0: go to MIT and never left okay so i love this um, state, yeah
1: why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that and just continue on your journey Uh, And letting myself and and Bill and and everybody else listening and and watching about why they should consider your candidacy for the
0: uh, U.S. Senate. Well, look, my journey is the American journey. You know, if you look at the founders of this country, these people were, first of all, radicals. They were very smart. They were engineers. They were blacksmiths. Uh, They were carpenters. They were people with skills. And they, got, uh, they built this country fighting the establishment. At that time, the establishment was a British monarchy. But even within America, there was an establishment, right? So that's where these guys came from. It, it's, it's, it's incredible when you think about it. These guys were uh, children of the Renaissance, They were uh, incredible people who believed in science and technology, but they were politically very, very tuned. but they were anti-establishment. And my journey, in fact, parallels that growing up in India, I had to fight the establishment of the caste system, which said that, you know, your success is where you were born into, not what you did. That's why my parents left India, because America was based on meritocracy, the rule of law and hard work. And that's what this country should be about. But what we have in this country right now, and everyone needs to understand it, we have a neo caste system here. You have a set of people, whatever you want to call them, Republicans and Democrats, that all work together and they collude against people because they have centralized power. They believe that they know better. You know, Elizabeth Warren thinks she knows better. I believe you know better because every day, think about everyone who gets up every day, we all make a bunch of decisions. We make a myriad of decisions. We solve a ton of problems on our own without the government telling us what to do. What these guys have done, and by the way, you know, Cambridge, that two-mile radius, in my view, is a sewer that feeds the sw- swamp in Washington. It's literally the complete, you know, remember in, uh, in in Star Wars, there's a Death Star and there's that one point you need to hit? Right. Well, that point, right. I would say, is the two-mile radius around Harvard, okay? Because that entire institution and the people around it, and it's symbolic, literally represent the establishment. They're the ones that create the children of the establishment, they sponsor them, they fuel them. And look, they never wanted a guy like me ever getting degrees from MIT, okay? Because I'm a formidable opponent, because I grew up with nothing. I grew up in New Jersey with people who had nothing. I know what struggle is. And so I'm going to be one of the biggest fighters of the American people, and that's what we need right now in this country. Because what the establishment has created is centralization of power, and they've created the biggest inequality in this country, in the history of this country. And they want to divide people, right? They use racism. And by the way, the biggest racists are the liberals.
2: Most definitely.
0: The establishment has two arms. One is, I would consider sort of the Republican establishment, in some ways, Uh, And and by the way, I'm excluding Trump from this. Trump, you know, is really not a Republican or a Democrat. He hijacked the Republican Party very, very cleverly. But the Republicans are somewhat stupid. The Democrats are actually quite smart. They actually advise the establishment in much more insidious techniques on how to keep the masses in suffering, how to keep people segregated. That's what they do really, really well. So you know, getting back to the email story, I was a good Indian when I was at MIT getting all my degrees on the front page. But when I said email came from Newark, you see, that I wasn't being a good Indian anymore. Not only was I not being a good Indian, then I fought for it, right? I sued Gawker Media, who called me all those names. It took four years. We won a, a federal lawsuit, you know, close to a million dollars. We put them out of business because, look, I believe in free speech, but the First Amendment does not protect you against defamation and libel. Right. I believe in truthful free speech. So that's what my life's been about. Look, but you know this campaign is exciting for me because it's bringing together my love of science, engineering, wanting to serve, but always being a political activist. You know, uh, the last for years I exposed the fake science of the big universities and Monsanto. You know, if people are listening, look up Monsanto. Monsanto is a, one of the most evil corporations. They have polluted the entire food supply of this country. Elizabeth Warren voted to protect Monsanto, that we can never sue them. It's called the Mon- Monsanto Protection Act. She voted against the GMO labeling bill. So you're talking about someone who's very, very clever in positioning herself as though she cares for minorities, poor people, etc. Th- this this is far more insidious than anything you can get. You know, I was uh, uh, one of the people who, w- who was at the free speech rally recently. As some of you may know, right, uh, about uh, four months before the Charlottesville event took place. A bunch of students in Boston, who I, I always love supporting students who want to be politically active. I don't care where they're coming from. It's important young people get active. They wanted to hold a free speech rally, yeah. and I was invited among Green Party people, people from all different spectrums, uh, to speak. Uh, to the night, uh, a few weeks after Charlottesville took place, uh, Mayor Marty Walsh and Charlie Baker, uh, one Democrat, one a rhino Republican, never mm-hmm. Trumper, got together because, you know, they want to, again, take advantage of poor black people, right? Yeah. And minorities. Okay. They characterized that entire rally as a Nazi white supremacist event and how they were going to fight against it. you got to remember, you know, two miles uh, in Boston has the average net worth of a black person is $8. Okay, and I don't know what a poor white person is. I'm sure it's not that far different. These guys have created the biggest segregation in this state, as you can ever imagine, among poor whites and poor blacks.
2: That's because that's, that's their voting. That's their voting. Yeah, so million. you have one
0: arm which tells uh, white people not to like black people and another people which pits black people against white people, and they never understand what racism is not calling someone, frankly, a, a bad word. Racism is those people who exploit race to advance her economic interests. And that's what Elizabeth Warren did when she said, "I'm an Indian," checked off she was a Native American, which she used then to get into Harvard and make 450k. Yet she has never ever said anything about Harvard University, which is a 40 billion dollar hedge fund which makes, you know, billions of dollars every year, pays its hedge fund managers 58 million dollars. Basically she lives in Wall Street, gets funded by Wall Street, right? So, at the free speech rally, I still decided to go because I made a commitment, and by the time Walsh and Baker were done with this, they had said that we were Nazis, we were white supremacists, we could have gotten lynched that day. But we stood by principle, we went in, 40 of us against 40,000 people, it was like Braveheart. Wow. So we uh, did the, you know, uh, and, and the thing is, they created a huge distance, almost a football field between us speaking and the press. I mean, this is like ridiculous, right? That's fascism. You have
1: footage of this, right? We have
0: footage. Everyone can go see it. It's online. And in the talk, I'm exposing Hillary Clinton and Clinton as a racist who made fun of Mahatma Gandhi. I'm exposing Harry Reid as a racist. I'm exposing Joe Biden, who said the only reason that he was going to support Obama because he was the first clean, articulate black man he'd ever come across. I remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we exposed who is it? Uh, uh, Clinton's uh, mentor, uh, you know, who was a, who was part of the KKK, right? Uh, Robert Byrd, right? So, you know, the liberal media doesn't like to hear this because it's the biggest contradiction, right? Uh, Democrats and and Republicans try to split people up. We also talked about no to Monsanto. I mean, this was not a white supremacist rally. And still to this day, I will have people running up to me, again, white liberals, uh, saying that I'm a racist, I'm a Nazi. It's incredible. This is what you call fascism. When people... Uh, brains have become so uh, irrational that they utter things like that.
1: Yep. We're going to have to take another break. Right now we are on the open mic. We are having probably our most interesting program to date since I've been here. Uh, Shiva is telling a lot of very interesting stories. It's fascinating to me I'm sure to most of the people listening and we're going to continue until 8 o'clock right here on the new open mic on WHAV 97.9 FM. And we are back on the new open mic. I'm Bill Masick. Bill Ellis is here as my co-host. And uh, we have Shiva here with us, who is um, a candidate for U.S. Senate, going to be running against Elizabeth Warren as an independent. And the reason you're an independent is because... You can take up
0: there. Yeah, the reason I'm running as an independent is, look, I... First of all, just to give you a quick background uh, to everyone listening, I never voted before because I didn't dislike both parties, even though I've been a citizen since 1982, 1983. I figured out the Republicans and Democrats were two heads of the same beast as a young kid when I saw Jesse Jackson. If you remember when he ran for uh, president, remember there was Reagan, Mm -hmm. there was, uh, who was it, Walter Mondale, and Jesse Jackson was saying he was doing this big uh, rainbow coalition. Right. And at the last minute, if people remember, he gives all of his votes to Walter Mondale, right? Doing the lesser of two evils nonsense, which for far too long we've been all bamboozled with, right. as though no one else can run except two-party people. So that's when I realized that in political history, there's always been three dynamics. I mean, not only in the U.S., across the world. And, and this is a very interesting thing, because you can learn a lot from once you apply this dynamic, and you can see through the, the BS, one dynamic is the establishment. Those people want to keep things the way they are. That's the establishment. The other hand, you have what I call the change agents, right? People who actually want to change things. And these people are the forgotten people. People, you know, who, uh, people's names we don't even know in the civil rights movement. People's, the women's rights movement. Elizabeth, um, not Elizabeth, uh, Susan B. Anthony was laughed out of the Democratic Congress. They didn't think women should have rights, right? I she took to the streets. So those are the change agents. And then there's a third, more insidious element, which what I call the not-so-obvious establishment. Okay? And typically, the way the establishment is, they use one wing, and then they have the other wing, which is typically the left wing of the Democratic Party, which they use to sucker in people off the streets, off building movements, back into the establishment. And they use words like hope, right? You've heard these words, change, revolution, right? So in the, in the 2016 election, what I saw happening was you had... Hillary Clinton run. Right. And it was fascinating to watch this election because the establishment, like a bunch of sharks, even though they were different species, all got together. The Romneys, the Bushes, the Clintons and the Obamas all got together around Hillary Clinton, who was the establishment candidate, who was a change agent. Well, it was Donald Trump, whether you like him or not. He was a change agent because he was addressing a fundamental issue that the issues of poor whites were not being addressed. I mean, the infant mortality rates, I mean, people were addressing transgender issues, right? All these, but the vast majority of poor whites and poor working people was not being addressed. Correct. And who was the third person that came within that who was a not-so-obvious establishment? Who was it? Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is essentially the the not-so-obvious establishment, right? Revolution, hope, blah, blah, blah. And I had a lot of my friends saying, Shiva, you should support Bernie. He's the anti-establishment candidate. I go, no, Bernie's a not-so-obvious establishment. He's He's going to sell you guys out. Well, he's worse than that. He's part of the establishment. He's part of the deep state. He's going to sell you out at the last minute, and he's going to give his votes to Hillary. They said, no, 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 he won't do that. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he did. So when Trump was running, I said, you know what? This guy is doing something quite interesting. He's anti-establishment. I registered as an independent. I voted for him, and then I was invited to the inauguration. I went there, and I and, and I said, "I'm going to run against Warren." Obviously, I could not, uh, you know, run as a Democrat. So I decided to run as a Republican. And you know, I thought the Republican Party was a party of Lincoln, and I decided I'd give them a fair shot. Um, we went around all over Massachusetts trying to. Uh, we have to get a certain number of delegates. We were the first ones announced in February. We were getting standing ovations, and the Massachusetts GOP never invited me to even see them until four months later, after my attorney's friend said, why aren't you meeting with Shiva? And what was interesting was at that meeting, they harassed me why I voted for Trump. They said, did you vote for Trump? They go, why'd you vote for him? So here's a mass GOP questioning me why I voted for Trump. So, and as a
1: Republican candidate.
0: As a Republican candidate. And as I looked at this process, it's clear that they had already self-selected their group of people, right? One guy, as you know, is a fake Trumper. He lies that he, you know, uh, was close with Trump. He photoshopped a picture with Trump, right? He says he's a Massachusetts co-chair, absolute lie. And his senior most, his campaign manager was a Saudi lobbyist. Another guy, I'm talking about dirty deal, as we call him. Another guy, uh, old man Kingston, Okay, here's a guy who gave $250,000 to Bill Clinton for speaking fee engagement. All right, he supported an anti-Trump PAC. That's your other guy. And you have another woman who's been entrenched in the Republican Party, a Romneyite, uh, Lottery Beth Lindstrom. Okay, ran the lottery. So these are the opposition and none, I'm the one who's made this race interesting and I decided to run in November. I switched. I said, you know what, I'm not going to wake up in April and be screwed over by these guys. I'm, I think I'm reasonably smart. I can see the writing on the wall. So I decided to go as an independent. And, and we're the ones who's made this race interesting because before this, my entering it, it was Warren's going to win and the Republicans are running on this, essentially are running it to make money for themselves. Right,
1: okay. Doctor, it, do we have a call? We've got a call yeah. and uh, we'll go right to that call right now. Hello, caller. How are you, Jerry? Good. Uh,
0: Dr. Shiva Ayadure. You can just call me Shiva. Dr. Buescher, yeah. S H I V A, Shiva. Shiva. Kind of like Shiva. V A. Yeah, Shiva. V a. Yeah. Yeah. Get the
1: website.
2: And before you answer that, Jerry is a Vietnam veteran, lost the sight over in Vietnam.
0: Yeah, first of all, Jerry, thanks very much for your service. Look, the issue of veterans uh, and a number of other issues are problems that the deep state has created and has no idea how to solve them. In fact, in my opinion, not even committed to really solving them. And uh, veterans have essentially been used by politicians. As I look at, you know, uh, all of these politicians try to go get veterans to endorse them, to support them. Uh, One of the guys is running on the Republican. He has a Saudi lobbyist who actually misled veterans to tell them that they should vote against Josta. And we'll get back to that. But to me, the issue of veterans goes back to what Eisenhower talked about and what uh, Fulbright talked about, that the military industrial complex, a deep state, has used poor whites, poor blacks to go fight their wars, for accumulating wealth, and, and essentially it's used them and exploited them, and their issues need not, has, ne- has not been addressed. And in my view, we need to acceler- accelerate the way veterans are taken care of. Look, there's a lot of these uh, organizations that already exist within the government. One of the things Trump did was I think he started to make those features accessible. When it comes to things like PTSD, uh, I know this reasonably well, because there are, I think, over 100 programs for PTSD, and none of them really work that well so what what's been happening with the veterans issue is politicians are doing opportunistic things but they never really get to the heart of the issues which is actually taking care of our vets making sure they get the uh, the health care that they need the connections that they need to solve things very very quickly and that's what I will do but that's about really going systemically and solving the problems not essentially to use veterans as a voting block and that's what they do with illegal aliens right they use people for voting blocks as they need
2: well uh, it's it's true, and the, you know they,
0: they they're looking to bring on felons now in New York. There's another voting block. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you got to understand. I mean, if you go to the heart of it, uh, Jerry, I, I'm not sure what you're. Uh, I mean, you you've obviously been trained as a soldier. I'm sure you have skills. And remember, these politicians have no skills. What job can Charlie Baker, frankly, do? You know, he probably got into Harvard because of his father. Right? Because Harvard is thirty percent legacy admissions. What job can you ask Elizabeth Warren to fix anything? I mean I can I, I mean I think I can program software, I can fix things. MIT is essentially a high tech vote school. But didn't she say you didn't build that? Right, because she she doesn't know what it takes to build anything. These are theoretical statements for these people. Yeah yeah, so Shiva for Senate.com S H I B A 4Senate.com. Look, our campaign is the opposition, the establishment does not want to give us visibility. We get in front, you know, it's game, set, match. So anything you can do, Jerry, to get us out there, it's S-H-I-V-A, number sign 4Senate.com. I mean, obviously you can give us money, but look, I'm a frugal entrepreneur. My opponents are spending 90 cents to raise $1. You know, our $1 is equivalent to 10 times what they raise because I run it like an entrepreneurial frugal business. Meaning, we really stretch it. So, but what we want is volunteers on the ground. To me, that's worth you know uh, millions of dollars. You know, right. hardcore volunteers. So, Shiba4, Shiva four S H I V A numeral four Senate Shiva four Senate dot com. Jerry,
2: Jerry, I have it, and if yeah, for Jerry some reason, on the line and, and give Chris your uh, mailing address. And we'll, yeah, we'll have we'll, some information you know,
1: sent to you. Yeah, or give me a call, Jerry, and and I'll uh, I'll definitely uh, give you the information as a follow up to the show. Thank
0: Thank you. Thanks again for
1: okay. your service. I
0: appreciate your you calling definitely. in, Jerry.
1: Right. right, and we're ending that call right on time for one more break right here on the new open mic on WHAV ninety seven point nine FM, and we are back on the new open mic, and we're going to take it right until eight o'clock with. Um, Shiva, um, who is uh, very fascinating in what he's done in life and what he's looking to do next. And um, you mentioned that you want to take it to um, where you're. uh, You've had to get involved with. um, Is it the lawsuit you want to get involved with, or or where do you want to go?
0: Yeah. So, so I think let me just take a couple of minutes so the audience knows what we stand for. You know, at a very simple level, you know, our campaign is about us. We as Americans taking back our country taking it away from the establishment elites of Democrats and Republicans and bringing it back to everyday people. I'm talking about a decentralized government. So as a part of that, our campaigns, you know, big slogan is declare your independence. And I'll tell you what the other one is also. Uh, but we have three pillars. We, we, we're we calling for clean government. we got to get all of these career politicians out of it. They, they're in it to make money. They're in it to build their quote-unquote brands, and they never want to get out of it because they have no other career. So part of our Platform under clean government is term limits. Eighty percent of Americans want it. We want significant campaign finance reform, and we got to end lobbyists. You see, in other countries, it's open corruption. In America, lobbyists is essentially legalized corruption. The second part of our platform is real health. You know, people waste a lot of time talking about single payer, non single payer, Romney Care, Obamacare. But what people do not talk about is the two pillars of healthcare are prevention and lowering the cost of healthcare. Well, how do you prevent? Uh prevention, well it's from real food. You see, most people who get healthy know food is medicine. You know, Hippocrates talked about it. F- food is a 4.7 trillion dollar industry, 10 times the technology business. And what we have done in this country, countries we've industrialized food. Companies like Monsanto, few companies own food, companies like Amazon and Whole Foods have industrialized organic food. We need to bring food back, back to the people, locally grown food, Organic food, 80% of Americans want organic, clean food. This is not just a liberal or left issue. The other piece of it is, to lower the cost of healthcare, we need innovation. You know, we have a company called Cytosolve, which is one of my other inventions where we modeled a human cell on the computer. We discovered a drug for pancreatic cancer in a record 11 months and got it allowed by the FDA. So we need to support innovation. The other part of it is we don't have enough family practitioners. All the doctors join big hospitals. my sister went to Harvard Medical School and she'll tell you, too many regulations. The other big thing is we need to eliminate the four year need to go to undergraduate to become a doctor. Other countries don't need it. So doctors lower their loans, eliminate a lot of these regulations and we need to support crisis care insurance. So you pay a little bit and then people should be incented to take care of their own health. The third part of our platform is real jobs. I don't know if people know this, this is what the swamp creatures or the establishment has done to our state right here, for every 17 skilled job openings in Massachusetts, high-tech job openings, only one person is skilled. We don't produce enough plumbers, enough electricians, enough software programmers. We The educational industrial complex has put our children in debt, made them indentured servants. We have a $1.8 trillion student loan bubble, you know, the student loan companies are making billions of dollars in profits, and the money never goes to the, the student, it goes right to the universities which keep raising their tuition. That's how Elizabeth Warren gets funded. Now, so that's our core platform, which is really about decentralization. Now, let me talk to you about the other slogan. Not only do we have declare your independence, our other slogan is only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. And this is a very powerful slogan. It's not only a joke and everyone loves it. Um, And I want to give you the background on this. You know, uh, Elizabeth Warren lied to get into Harvard. You know, she is not a Native American. I've sent her three DNA test kits. I'm the one who pioneered sending her DNA test kits. Um, In fact, the liberal Berkshire Eagle agreed with me that she should take the DNA test and the Berkshire Eagle endorsed her in 2012. So I'm the one who led that. I take full credit for her now deciding not to run for president. Now she's saying she's going to, you know, fulfill her term because we hammered on this issue. And it's not Scott Brown just playing some Tom Toms. We're talking about not identity. This is about integrity. So I own a a beautiful building in Cambridge. It's right on a main drag Concord Avenue, 50,000 people pass it every day. We have no signage on the building. However, in March of 2017, a number of students, citizens in Massachusetts took an old school bus, refurbished it. And uh, it's a beautiful bus. And we park it in four of the parking spots among the 80-odd parking spots I have in the parking lot. And the bus signage in March of 2017 said Shiva for Senate, be the light. That was one of our early messages, which still is a great message. Uh, two months later, we changed the message to Shiva for Senate, fight for America. Again, a great message. Uh, but in March of 2018, this year, about a, a month ago, before the St. Patrick's Day parade where, uh, where we went, by the way, millions saw us. Uh, loved our bus. We changed the slogan to Only a Real Indian Can Defeat the Fake Indian. Everyone loves it. By the way, people probably, uh, 50 to 100 people stop by and they take pictures of that bus. (laughs) Uh, uh, On April 4th, two weeks after this, we get a letter from the city of Cambridge uh, threatening us that if we did not take down that slogan off our bus, we would be fined uh, $300 a day by the building department. And the ordinance has nothing to do with buses. Now, the insidious and sleazy building department, the way they work is they issue these kind of fines, and they essentially force people to do what they want right. Now you've got to understand this is an issue of free speech Correct. because they didn't have a problem with the two other signs for a year, but only when we put only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian do they get concerned because it is a powerful slogan I mean I'm not talking about only is it a funny slogan, but it hits at the heart of what these politicians are all about. Left and right, Republican, Democrat, they're all fakes, they lie, they cheat, they have no skills. And that's what it exposes. Elizabeth Warren cut in front of line to get her job at Harvard. She used racism. She is the racist. And what's fascinating is once in a while people come yelling at me, you're the racist, calling me a Nazi amazing okay so so what we did was we have decided and uh 24 hours ago we filed a federal lawsuit against the city of cambridge by the way cambridge is supposed to be all about inclusivity diversity and we're taking them to court and we're not going to cave in on this and they need to you know uh suss up to the fact that they are really about stopping free speech so we're taking them on two counts uh, First Amendment, U.S. Constitution, and also the Massachusetts Constitution, but we're not going to pay them one penny, and in fact, we're going to, a lot more people want these signs on their buses. Sure. So
1: Listen, we're going to so, take so, a, a short so, call before we go on,
2: because... you Nazi. You look like the member of the area. That's race. right. Doesn't yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's yeah.
0: incredible the one-dimensional nature oh, of the mainstream that. media <laughs> and the liberal elite Uh, who try to think that people are stupid, that they can name-brand me as a Nazi and and supremacist, and people are going to forget about the actual issues. But the thing
2: about liberals, though, is when they can't win an argument, that's when they throw the racist
0: card. They throw, you know, you're a Nazi. Well, they got a problem with me. You know, I'm a low-caste, untouchable Indian, a deplorable, and they're the racists, and they're going to find out who the real racists are.
1: All right, we're going to go to our call. Hello, caller. Hi, sorry that we had to keep you on hold, but we have a very fascinating program going on.
0: How
1: are you? i to
0: Yeah, we have a big announcement to make in Lowell, but yeah, definitely. Look, my this is twenty four by seven, or you know twenty four seven for me. So please invite us; we'll love to come there. You know, it's an interesting thing you bring up. You know, Tewksbury; these are everyday working people in contrast to Lexington. Let me tell you what happened there. To to your, you may find this interesting. I was supposed to speak there in Lexington, and there was a free speech rally that was held in Concord. Um, someone called the principal of Lexington. This, this thing was scheduled. I'm getting ready to leave in the morning. I got a call from the history teacher saying, oh, uh, you can't come. They suddenly had to switch the rooms. As we dug deeper into it, it's because I'm a Nazi and a white supremacist. Now, you've got to understand, Lexington High School is where all the you know, bourgeois elite live who work in Harvard and MIT. So I find it quite disgusting what they did to this history professor. And uh, so, yeah, I'd love to come to Lowell. And uh, Lowell, by the way, was the center of the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. It was. So I'd love to come there. Please have me come. I, thank you, by the way. I appreciate your support. Well, it's true. Li-li- liberals like diversity as long as you agree with them. Liberals are the fascists, they're the racists. And I'm going to expose them because America, uh, because they are the true uh, insidious elements, uh, like the fake Trumpers, against the people. Thank you for your call. Bye bye. Thank you. Okay,
1: um, we are gonna have about five minutes left, uh, Doctor, and um, you were uh, discussing your campaign. Your, your now you have to sue Cambridge because they don't like your your slogan. It, Only a uh, real Indian uh, can uh, defeat the fake uh, Indian. That, that's on a bus, not not painted on your building or hanging on your building. Right. But it's on a bus, and and that's that's not okay. So it isn't it interesting how uh, as as Bill Ellis just said that. Um, As long as you agree with them, everything's fine.
0: Right. So, you see, I break the mold because when, you know, look, I'm an American fundamentally, right? But, you know, the liberals are the ones, you know, they're professors or academia. I know these guys really well, you know, I've been among them. I'm an insider like Trump was an insider in Wall Street, right? But academics are the real, real insidious uh, sewer rats, right? Because they create narratives, right? Okay, if you want to be a smart inventor, you got to look like a nerd. You got to have a beard. You got to have glasses. You can't be a good-looking athlete, right? I'm I'm being serious. You got to look like a mad scientist and then you're, you know, uh, a smart electrician, you know, can't understand politics, right? So they have created narratives, right? One of those narratives is, oh, if you're an Indian, you sit in the lotus position and you move your head up and down and you're into, you know, Mahatma Gandhi, right? But that's not what I am. I'm not willing to be a good Indian because those are the little plantations that they draw around all of us, and they do this to everyone, right? Do you, do you like curry? I love curry, but I love I love Italian food, too. He's <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 got a good cooked recipe cooked for too. meatballs. I, I'll, I'll cook for some. Uh, if everyone wants to do a, <laughs> a fundraiser, I'll cook for people. I love cooking. I have many, many... Interest and like all of us do but this campaign to everyone listening is really about the american journey and it's a it's our campaign the republicans and democrats and the career politicians we need to vote all of them out they don't deserve you they don't deserve me they don't deserve us the american people deserve a good you know uh revolution and i think the Shiva for senate campaign is at the tip of that revolution in massachusetts this was a cradle of the american revolution and everyday working people is who i'm fighting for that's who my parents were that's who you are and look at the backgrounds of any of these politicians look at their resumes have they ever actually invented anything created anything do they know how to fix anything and you'll find out they don't and what we need is people who actually know how to solve problems but our campaign is shivaforsenate.com we want to build a groundswell on the ground this is your movement people who come to our campaign are absolutely excited, passionate. They're not political hacks. All of those who come, we walk them out the door. We've had a lot of political consultants tell us what they're going to do for us. They get shown the door pretty quickly. So this is your movement. It's our movement. We got to take back this country. What better place to do that, an independent winning, than in Massachusetts? And my view is our winning in Massachusetts will send a wave to get everyday people participating in governance. So it's, I'm sort of insignificant to this whole thing. I just happen to be very fortunate. You just happen to be the candidate. I just happen to be very fortunate to come to this amazing country, uh, which should be based on meritocracy, rule of law, and hard work. And we've got to take that back because that's what this country needs. We need real jobs. We need our kids not being burdened with student loans. We need our kids getting real skills and real discipline and real good habits and those are what's going to, that's why, you know, my parents came here. You have some
1: very good, well thought out reasoning that you've presented for your candidacy. What specifically do you think you can do to help Massachusetts?
0: Well, the number one thing we need to do to help Massachusetts, we need to, you know, the politicians basically exploit and live off the people east of 495. You know, there's a lot of smart people in Springfield, in Worcester. We need to make sure the ability to get, to, to, to innovate, capital, uh, small banks. You know, Elizabeth Warren destroyed 1,200 small community banks. We get that kind of infusion of capital elsewhere. Number two, we need to have more Votech schools. You know, the way you solve racism is you address skills training. So I'm going to fight really to make sure people get skills. That's how, you know, I was skilled as a software engineer at the age of 14. I can still do that. Skills are what alleviate poverty. You know, you can make a lot of money with good skills. We need that. The third thing we need to do is, you know, when it really comes down to when you look at this country, the fundamental thing is we need to make sure that we raise our consciousness. We get what we deserve in the sense we get... People who actually have working background skills, and we get rid of career politicians. So, what I want to do with my candidacy, winning, it's winning for you. That's what this candidacy is really about. Sounds great. Listen, we have to stop.
1: Unfortunately, we're reaching the end of our time. Uh, this is the new open mic program. Uh, my guest has been Dr. V- is it Va? No, Shiva? you say Shiva. Just I agree. Shiva, Shiva, Shiva sh- for Senate, and I want to thank sh-
0: both bills. Thank you. Th- so thank, thank you very you. much, much. for you. having me and, on and your it great is, show.
1: S-H-I-V-A, the number four, Senate, S-E-N-A-T-E dot com. If people want to know more about you or if they want to get involved in your campaign, I'm sure you'd love to hear from them.
0: Definitely. ShivaForSenate.com. Please email us, Shiva at shiva for
1: Thank you for your time, Shiva. And, uh, Thank you very much, And we'll bro. have you back again. Thank you, Bill. Good luck. Thank you. you. Thanks. That's it for this hour, and that's it for this evening's program on WHAV 97.9 FM.